This is Friday, May 7th. Years ago, I had the privilege of driving a Korean pastor to see the building of the church I was serving at the time. Now, that building was still under construction. It really just had the cement slab and the walls up. And as we drove by, he asked us to stop. He got out of the car and walked into what clearly was going to be the sanctuary when the building was completed. He wanted to know how the room was going to be set up, where the pulpit would be placed. And equipped with this knowledge, he asked us to kneel with him and pray. He prayed passionately for whomever would be standing in that place and preaching the gospel. He prayed for the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would guide the worshipers, worship services that would be conducted in that building, and that the Lord would be present among his people. When he said amen, we, had, we were deeply moved, and we began to look at that building in a completely different way. God would be present there with his people. People would be worshiping there. Now, here's our text for today. First, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 12. For this reason, since the day we first heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now, that sounds like a big mouthful, but it's a prayer. And I've always wondered why Paul needed to tell the churches how he was praying for them. This, it, this is his prayer for the church in Colossae. But why tell them? Isn't his prayer meant just for God to hear? Now, of course, our prayers are first for God. Jesus taught that we are not to pray with words for people to hear, to gain their attention, but to find a place where we can pray in silence and seclusion. But I don't think Paul is doing the wrong thing here. He's like that Korean pastor who prayed with us. His desire is that we would be caught up in his prayer, to join him in his prayer for the church. Now, as we're thinking about the power of community this week, we want to think about what happens when we pray for each other and with each other. Now, we pray for each other because what we are learning and doing, well, it's not a human endeavor. Your goals and plans require the work of God in you for, for you to get really healthy. It requires this for all of us. Being healthy isn't just about nutrition and muscle tone. No, it means shalom. That word in Hebrew is the word for peace. But our English word peace really can't take in all that Hebrew word shalom means. We think of absence of war, strife, or a situation of calm. 
but the word means more like balance of perfection. The place where every vital element in a system is whole and healthy and working together. It's a kind of harmony that God was speaking about when he created the world and said that it was good, very good. Everything was in its proper place and in its proper order. You see, when sin came into the world, there was disorder. When we're not healthy, the vital parts of our body, and even who we are, well, those parts are not in balance. Now, Scripture teaches us that because of sin and the brokenness of our world, we cannot bring our world, our own lives, to complete shalom, complete balance and harmony. Only God can do this. And this is what Jesus promises us when he tells us that he has come that we might have life, life to the fullest possible extent. He's not talking about an amount of life, but a harmony of life that is true shalom. So yes, we eat well, we work out and rest well, we enjoy community together, but this shalom is a gift of God. And so we pray for this peace for each other. Now that happens as Paul explains, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. And that leads us to the second aspect. What happens when we pray with each other? Bringing people together in prayer does more than add more prayer muscle. Shalom can only come in community. It's not an individual sport. The reason this is so is that God made us for life in community, life together. And so joining together in prayer brings us as a diverse group as we are together as one before God. Shalom is not uniformity, but a diversity brought together by the grace of God. We are so very different, but now we're joined together before the face of God. In our world, the place where we would be looking to compete with each other, or, or looking for superiority over each other, prayer brings us together as the body that Christ made us to be, all made possible by the cross and his love for us. So yes, pray for each other. Let this time be not only a physical exercise, but a spiritual one as we pray for each other and as we pray with each other. Isn't it amazing? The prayer of that with that Korean pastor happened 25 years ago. And I am still encouraged by this prayer, even to this day. Let's pray. Lord God, I find that I think my health is an individual sport. I feel alone in my body, yet you show me that I am in community with others that are my brothers and sisters in Christ. First, I pray for true shalom in the lives of my spiritual family. Help us to tap into the vast resources of your grace so that we might know your great love and we might come to live in balance and harmony together. 
Help us also to come together and pray together that we might know the unity and peace that comes alone from you. For I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.